Hey, winner, welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I am so glad that you are with me today. And today we have a treat. You know, as a homeschooling mama, okay, so now I'm really only homeschooling one since my younger two are trying out a full-time charter school this year. As a homeschooling mama, teaching our kids how to learn is quite a passion of mine. I want them to understand how to learn, how to think, how to create. I don't want them just to be taught what to learn, what to think, what to create, you know? When we instill a love of learning in our children, then I believe they can learn anything. There are some foundations we can put into place to help them do this. And my main goal for my boys in their education is to help them become lifelong learners. If we dive deeper, learning is actually a biblical thing. God wants us to grow in knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. One of these episodes, I really want to dive a little bit deeper into that as well. And I think you would benefit a lot from that. However, my guest today is an expert at training parents how to teach our children to learn from a biblical standpoint. So I'm excited to have him with us today. We're going to discuss the circle of learning, which includes that biblical aspect of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom that I was talking about earlier. Aaron Brewster is the president of Truth Love Parent and host of its acclaimed parenting podcast. Aaron is a husband, father, biblical counselor, pastor, and speaker. He's created hundreds of hours of free parenting resources, including the celebration of God. And I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Let's step into the fire with Aaron. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I'm your host, Gabe Cox, and through this podcast, I'm on a mission to help you step into the fire of refinement so God can mold and transform you into a woman ready to step into your calling and crush your goals his way. I do this by helping you overcome your mental barriers through a faith-based approach of building inner strength and resilience. Each episode, I will bring you thought process, productivity tips, and inspirational stories from everyday people, all so you can live intentionally and move forward confidently with the gifts God has given you. As a running enthusiast, I believe that life is one massive marathon and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Step into the fire with me because I know you will come out stronger. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for joining me on Red Hot Mindset. I'm really excited to talk with you today. It is my pleasure, Gabe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And just so that my audience can get to know you a little bit better, I did a formal introduction, but I'd love to hear just a little bit about you and your family um, so we can get to know you better. Yeah. Well, my family consists of uh, four in my immediate family. Uh, is my wife. We've been married for almost 16 years now. And then my uh, oldest is Micah, and he's 14. And my daughter, Ivy, just turned 12. Um, that's my immediate family. Yet at the same time where we live, we live with my parents. It's a multi-generational family. So there's six of us here. And uh, I love that uh, my parents are part of uh, this whole process and the rearing of my kids and things like that. So uh, I love that element of it. But what's interesting about me is that we just moved from a place where I had a completely different family dynamic. Uh, I used to work at Victory Academy for Boys in uh, the Northwoods of Wisconsin. And so my family consisted of 14 people. It was my family of four plus up to eight at-risk teen boys, and then generally two resident assistants who were college-age guys. So uh, that's what we lived uh, with nine to 10 months out of the year, every year. 
And so my family dynamic has, uh, has changed a lot over the, the course of the years. Um, but right now it's that, it's that six. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I have a Micah as well. He's my middle. Oh, cool. He'll be 12 soon. And we've been married name. in years, man. <laughs> when, so much when, in common. When is your anniversary? January 6th. Okay. Okay. Very close. 28th for us. So January 28th. Really got uh, married in January too. We were, we were really gutsy people to get married during snow time. So yes, yes. Cause I, we are actually originally from Minnesota. We're in Colorado now. And my goal was a white wedding. That's why I did January and it ended up being green. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> were you in Wisconsin at the time or? No, we uh, we've moved around a lot. I've moved around even more, but we were married uh, where my wife was from in southern Indiana. There was actually a ton of snow that year, and we decided to get married in January because that was the soonest possibility. My wife finished up her undergraduate studies that uh, that fall semester. She got done a semester early, so January was the earliest time. And January sixth happened to be uh, just um, I asked her to be my girlfriend on January sixth. Following year, I asked her to be my wife on January sixth. And so getting married on January 6th made all the sense in the world, um, which also we found out later was uh, 12th day of Christmas. So it ended up just being a huge bonus. Too funny. I love it. I love it. And we kind of were similar because uh, we started dating on the 28th, but we got married the next year on the 28th. So um, just had that less one year less, I guess. So that's too funny. I love it. Um, now you started um, a nonprofit called Truth Love Parents. I'd love to hear just how did that become a reality for you? What made you want to start it? Well, I was working back at Victory Academy and I started creating a parent program. Uh, we worked with the boys in-house, but the parents live all over the United States. And so we wanted to be able to connect with them as well. So I was creating a parent program. That parent program eventually became a podcast um, for the parent program, but then accessible to other people. And that podcast grew um, very quickly, very uh, significantly. So the podcast started in 2016, and uh, I uh, worked there at the academy for five years. And then at the end of 2019, we moved uh, in part with the intention of turning what started as a podcast into a full-blown ministry, because my passion was having seen the destruction that comes um, from having worked at a boys' home like that. Uh, I very badly wanted to equip parents to not, Lord willing, not get to a place where they have to send their children to a place like that. Um, those places are very necessary. I still very much am involved in working with broken families and at-risk teens, but a lot of the content we create is to help parents uh, be preemptive in their parenting so that Lord willing, they not have to experience that later. Okay. I love it. And it's such a needed ministry, especially right now. I feel like, um, I, and as a parent, I'm now a parent of a high school student and it's very different, like getting into that teen years and trying to figure out how do I help guide him and how do we, um, you know, keep instilling those values and, and, uh, you know, pray for him so that when he graduates, he's set up and ready for the world. And it is, it is a tough job. Parenting is a tough job. So I love what you're doing and what we're talking about today has to do with parenting. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is because you are an expert in, um, these different categories, these different topics. And I wanted to dive into, um, teaching our kids to learn because there is a skill set and there is definitely a way to help our kids do this. Um, it's definitely a passion of mine. I've been a homeschooling mama for this is our 10th year. 
Um, my oldest is homeschooling. My younger two are now in a charter school, which is new to me. Um, but I didn't just want to teach them. I wanted them to understand how to learn and I wanted them to form a, a love of learning so that I knew if they did that, then they could really learn anything. Um, and that they, I, the aspect is to become a lifelong learner as well, because I feel like, um, if you're a lifelong learner, things are more exciting too. Um, you can learn anything, you can dive into anything, study it well. Um, so what do you think, why is it so important for us as parents to help our kids learn how to learn? Well, before I answer that, let me say that uh, I too uh, homeschool, my wife and I homeschool our kids, and we've been doing that their, their whole lives. And before I moved to Victory Academy, I was on faculty and the dean of students at a large Christian school in the Chicagoland area. So I have a passion for education. I have actually taught every subject uh, from preschool all the way through upper high school. Uh, my kids are currently high school juniors. And so um, I've gotten that far uh, with the material. Lord willing, next year I will have taught like every class uh, is possible. So I love education. Um, I love teaching. I um, One of my favorite teacher quotes, which I'll completely bomb and be also incapable of uh, citing who said it, but it was something to the effect of uh, the greatest goal that we have as teachers is not to teach our children facts, but the, the teacher, sorry, teach our children what they don't know. Um, wow, I am really bombing this. I told you it was going to be terrible. The concept is there, trust me. Uh, the greatest goal is not to teach our children to know something, but to teach them what they don't know so that they desire a, uh, this lifelong process of learning those things that they don't know. Uh, and that was a complete bomb. You won't be able to Google that and figure out who it was. Um, so yeah, so that, and that is the thing. And I think as Christians, it's, it's fair to say that we will be eternal students because God is infinite. Therefore, we will spend all eternity learning more and more about him. So starting the process now, I think is really important. Um, so with that said, yeah, I, that's what I want to do is my wife and I want to do with our kids is uh, help our children recognize that they are supposed to be eternal students and then set them up to be successful in that because Though there's an aspect to learning that is inherent, um, for example, you know, as babies, they, they learn very naturally. They don't have to be taught to learn. Um, because of sin nature, we start to hate that. We start to hate the process that God created us to do so naturally. And therefore, it's really important for us as parents to help our children understand what learning is and then equip them to do it well. Mm, yeah, so true. And I feel like... Um sometimes I feel inadequate to do it, you know, and, or maybe because of all the establishments of school and education and what a teacher is and what they do. And that's the role. And that's not the role of the parent or whatever. But I also know that God calls us to it. Like God calls us to discipling and to teaching our kids. Um, how do we help our kids in this way? Like, um, maybe you can share a little bit about why it's biblical for us to come aside them as the teacher as well doesn't mean you have to homeschool but you still are teaching them in your everyday life it definitely i think god definitely expects parents to be the primary educators specifically of spiritual things so even if we decide to send our children to a school which is god's will for many people um that doesn't take away our responsibility to be teaching our children the things of god so that's a really important aspect i think it's important for us to recognize but when it comes to working with kids who, you know, I hate school, I hate learning, I hate reading, all that kind of stuff. Uh, one of the things I, I just start with is helping them to learn three really pivotal 
necessary truths about them and specifically God. And the first of that is the fact that God created us to learn. All right. And I illustrate that uh, by simply asking if, if human beings were not created to learn, what would be, what would be incapable of, of doing? And, and normally it, people figure it out pretty quickly. You know, it, well, if babies couldn't learn, they wouldn't never learn to move. They would never learn to communicate. They would never learn to eat. And the reality is that if God hadn't created us to learn, uh, we would have died a few days of our lives. Uh, so that's a really important fact. Uh, he knit into our very DNA the ability to learn without having to be taught how to learn. And so that's kind of one of those things that is a good starting place for our kids. Well, God made you to learn. So if I'm, if I'm not doing what I was made to do, I'm not going to have a lot of success in my life. Uh, if I have a, a pencil or a pen that is incapable of writing, what do we do? We throw it in the garbage. It's, 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 it's useless. It's a waste. And if we have a human being who refuses to learn, man, their life is going to be vanity. It's going to be a wasted life. So from there, we take it a step further because it's not just that God created us to learn. It's something deeper than that. He actually commands us to learn. And I think uh, some people, um, are, especially our children, don't always recognize the fact that this isn't just a thing that we can do. It's something that we need to do. Um, a couple uh, passages I like to share with my kids, um, uh, starting as like Proverbs 9, 9. And it says, you know, we give instruction to a wise man and what happens, he will be still wiser. If we teach a righteous man, he will increase in learning. So God commands us to be wise. He commands us to be righteous. And we see that the fact that if we're wise and righteous, we will increase in learning is, is a huge reality. Beyond that, though, we have in Isaiah 117, a, a direct command, very bluntly, learn to do good. You have to learn this. And then in 2 Timothy 3.14, we have Paul telling Timothy to continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. So we have these ideas all through scripture where God sets up an expectation, really, that we are to learn and to continue learning our entire lives. Now, by this point, you know, you've, you've, the kid doesn't matter how badly they say, I hate school. They're recognizing if they even put a little bit of stock in who God is in the Bible, they're recognizing they have, they're going to have a hard time getting out of this one. Um, they were, they were created to learn and they're commanded to learn, but that doesn't stop us from feeling hopeless. You know, sometimes, especially as kids, we get this idea that our parents ask us to do things that are too hard. And I think that's one of those things that kind of leads us to be very hopeless. Um, our children, too, is like, this is just too hard for me. So there are, there are a couple main ideas I, I help with my child with. Uh, before I, I, I share the, the third C of our learning, one of the things I'll tell them is I'll help them to recognize the fact that actually what you're being asked to learn is not hard. So that's something that we say, right? But it's not really hard. And I can prove it this way. Um, I say to the child, can you walk? Can you run? Can you ride a bike? And the answer is yes. And I said, well, there's a time in your life that you couldn't do that. And maybe back then you would have said, well, riding a bike is too hard. But nowadays you say riding a bike isn't hard. So is riding a bike hard or is it not hard? And the reality is you've proven that it's not difficult. The problem is it's different. It's not too hard. It's not difficult. It's just different. You've never done it before. And like walking and like riding a bike, one of the things that you'll find is the more you do it, the quote unquote easier it will get, the less different it will be. It'll become normal. And you'll find that it's actually not hard to do at all. 
So that's one thing that encourages them, but they're still like, yeah, it's still hard. And so the last part, I think that is the, the hope giving part I like to share with uh, young people is the fact that God capacitates us to learn. Now, I have to admit that's a terrible C because most children aren't familiar with, <laughs> with the term capacitate. Uh, and so sometimes I explain it and sometimes I, I throw the alliteration out and I just say the fact that God empowers us to learn. He gives us everything that we need for life and godliness. Um, and, and Proverbs 2, 6 says, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently shall find me. So uh, those are just a couple ideas where God promises that he's going to give us what we are working toward. And when we're working, we need to be working in his power. And we what I said earlier about giving us everything that we need for life and godliness, that comes specifically from Second Peter. And it talks about the fact that that's going to be found through the knowledge of Christ. And so there are so many different uh, biblical truths that revolve around this about the power of the Holy Spirit and what Christ does for us in our lives. But the reality is that God does ask us to do things that are outside of our capability. It's true. He does. But he never asks us to do something that's outside of our capability with his help. He's going to provide everything that we need to be successful. And that for me, I, I found that, you know, it's it's one thing to hear that and to know it's another thing to believe it. Uh, but that generally is very helpful for our kids to know God and, and want to please him, that God created me to learn. Uh, he, he commands me to learn. All right. So I, you know, I've got to do this thing, but I'd also don't have to feel hopeless with what's before me because God's going to give me all the power that I need to learn what I need to learn. Mm, I love that because it is true. He is going to give us the tools. It's, it's like the saying where he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. So yeah. if he asks us to learn, then he's going to give us the tools and the resources in order to be able to do it. And mm -hmm. I love that you're talking about the knowledge and understanding and wisdom in our homeschool. Um, the program we use, we do very classical learning. So they are learning kind of the, the grammar side of things. So they're, they're kind of just learning facts and different things. And then it's going to take them into a process of more, more understanding mm -hmm. and kind of breaking it down into what does this mean or asking questions and then eventually taking them to the rhetoric side where they can do something with it. And now they can teach somebody those things. Um, and that's kind of how we've done our learning in our homeschool. And I love it because I feel like it lines up with that um, knowledge, understanding and wisdom. First, you have to know some things, then you need to know what to do with them. And then you can teach them or you can find that wisdom in them. And I know you've created kind of a circle of learning that's really geared toward explaining this um, would you be willing to share a little bit of that with us? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I think this is, uh, it, I think what you've done and what I've done, uh, that's going to be very similar because we've, we've rooted both of these concepts in the scriptures and this is what God teaches us. And so it's super exciting when we recognize that God, again, has given us as parents, everything we need for life and godliness as well. So yeah, this learning is based, uh, made up of the same parts that you just described, but there's a fourth element, which of course I guarantee you is definitely part of what you and your husband are doing with your kids for sure. Um, but I mean, I'll talk a little bit about the circle of learning, then I'm going to share, uh, kind of share an image so we can get it really ingrained in our heads. Uh, and I think too, it, it's just more important than for us, to, I should say it this way. 
it's one thing to teach our kids this, but really we need to start understanding it ourselves. Mm -hmm. As somebody who was homeschooled all the way up, I've studied education, I've studied homeschooling in depth as part of my grad work. Um, I've homeschooled children, I've taught children, um, I've taught within a martial arts context, I've done training within a business context, I've, I've taught in the schooling. Um, one of the things that I recognize is that most Many teachers don't actually understand what it means to learn, and uh, most parents don't, because the very first facet, the most fundamental facet of learning is what you mentioned, knowledge. But unfortunately, a lot of parents uh, see that as the end goal for my children to accumulate knowledge, and if they accumulate knowledge, they have learned, I am happy. In fact, our, our school system, generally speaking, is set up to assess just that. Did the children accumulate this knowledge? Oh, look, they did. They passed this test. They passed this grade. They go on to the next one so we can give them more knowledge. And it's dangerous. It is super dangerous because the Bible tells us that knowledge puffs up. Knowledge makes us arrogant at best uh, if we actually learn the knowledge, but that's all we do then we're left nothing more than just an arrogant person filled with all this knowledge that we don't actually know how to use. And that's where we recognize that knowledge is simply the first of four different important parts when it comes to true learning. And uh, so when it comes down to, to this idea of learning and teaching our children to learn, they have to understand what knowledge is. It is, it is really important. Uh, Psalm, sorry, uh, Proverbs 11, 9 tells us um, that the righteous is delivered by knowledge. So clearly it's an important thing. Proverbs 20, 15 tells us that the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Proverbs 3.20 tells us that by God's knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the, uh, the dew. So God created the world, the universe, the cosmos in part through his knowledge. He had knowledge. So knowledge is very important. Um, I like to tell people, though, uh, that knowledge actually, as defined by the dictionary, is acquaintance with facts. Now you think about that. To be acquainted with somebody is not really a very deep relationship. If, if someone's my acquaintance, they're not really my friend, right? Uh, but that's really all knowledge is. I'm acquainted with a fact or a truth or a principle as from study or investigation. That's the definition of knowledge. And so we want our kids to recognize you, we want to be better friends with knowledge than just acquaintances. And so we move into the, this next area. What do we do with our knowledge? How given lots of different uh, examples over the years I've used. Uh, I speak a couple different languages, and so I, I like to use um, something from, and having been spent a lot of time as an English teacher, I, I'm one of those grammar Nazis, it's, and most people hate that about me, um, including my family. <laughs> but, uh, okay, okay. So, like, I like to use, like, a, a, a German phrase. So, if I say, you know, was hast du, was hast du gesagt? Um, that means, what did you say? And you don't have to understand German. You don't have to be able to speak German to be intelligent enough to, to be acquainted with the fact that was hast du gesagt means, what did you say? But is that good enough? Well, for some people it is. And they're learning. They're like, I'm, I'm done. I passed that test. I knew it as long as I needed to know it. Let's move on, right? Right. But again, that'll never be helpful for them. So the next level of learning has to be understanding. Uh, as you mentioned before. Now, the difficulty with the word understanding is that this is not a word that we have a lot of synonyms for in our English language. And I think uh, we have a better understanding of certain concepts because there are a lot of synonyms. For example, there aren't a lot of synonyms of love. We kind of just say love, and but love has like a million different definitions. Um, you know, I think there, there are some, there are some, uh, 
language groups where they have like over 20 different words for ice because they live in, in, in places where they have nothing but snow and ice. And that allows specificity, allows a deeper understanding of the subject when you have more words for it. But understanding is a word we don't really have a lot of words for. We have comprehend. Oh, that clarifies things. You know, we have I get it. Uh, you know, again, that's really very broad. What does it mean to get it? But I do love the fact that the word understanding uh, is a, actually a good word picture. Okay. The idea is uh, to stand under something. Okay. So I'm trying to avoid my microphone here in my, in my headphones. I have a fact, right? And then I have everything that stands under that fact, the foundation of that fact. And the more that I understand, the more I comprehend of the, all of the truths and all of the realities and everything, all the principles that stand under that fact, the better I'll be able to understand the fact. And this is where, you know, for some of my examples, I take our German phrase, was hast du gesagt, and I start to break it down and I start to teach them so they understand was means what, hast means, you know, compares to have and so on and so forth. And then we actually get down to the word gesagt. And I teach them that this is actually, it isn't technically, what did you say? It's actually, what have you said? And we talk about the tense of that word. And we talk about how gesagt comes from zagen. Zagen is say, gesagt is said. So how did we, how did we change it from zagen to gesagt? And we talk about you have to add the GE to the beginning and what you do to the end of the word to make a regular German word change into the past tense. Now, I know by saying all of that, I've lost half the audience because they're like, I don't want to conjugate English, let alone conjugate German. But stick with me here for a second. OK, and I'm not I'm not definitely not going into as much detail. So we're not going to understand it as well, even as some of the children out there that I've taught this particular subject. The key, though, is as the kids start to learn how what needs to be done to this this german word this language that they don't speak they start to understand how it works they start to understand how why it was changed from zagen to gesagt and why it means what it means as they start to do that they now have the capacity to do things with that language see proverbs 24 3 says by understanding a house is established we have to understand it. If we want to do something, if we want to establish this house, if we want to establish this thing, we have to be more than just acquainted with facts. We have to be good friends with it. We have to really understand what makes it tick. Um, and the and, you know, dictionary definition tells us that to understand is the mental process of a person who comprehends. Again, what we said earlier, it's being able to work through it. It comes from having figured something out. And that leads us to our third category uh, in, in this circle of learning. And that's, um, it, there's lots of different you know, ways that we could talk about it. You know, I, I know something, I understand it, then I can use it, right? But if we're going to use biblical language, we have to use the word wisdom. Unfortunately, I have found that the word wisdom is actually super misunderstood by most people. We think of wisdom as being knowledge. We really equate it with that. I'm going to climb up this mountain and I'm going to talk to a guru. And that guru is going to give me wisdom. He's going to give me uh, wisdom statements, right? And he's going to give me some little proverb and I'm going to understand it. And now I'm going to be wise. <clears throat> That's not at all what actual is. Wisdom isn't a knowledge. Wisdom is what we do with the knowledge. Wisdom is taking the knowledge and putting it into use. An example that I oftentimes use with people is I say, you know, we've all been in, you know, in, in bad traffic, right? So we said we have a guy 
in the car, right, in the middle of the traffic. He's, he's moving around, he's navigating it all. We have a helicopter up, up, up above and they can see what caused the bad traffic. They can see all the off-roads. They can see all of that. And I ask people, which is the better picture of wisdom? The guy in the helicopter or the guy in the car? And almost everyone says the guy in the helicopter, right? Because he, he has the big picture. He can see he has more knowledge that would help him figure all this out. But that's not a good picture of wisdom. The guy in the car is the picture of wisdom. He knows where he's going. He knows the side streets. He knows how to drive in traffic. And he's able to apply what he knows, even though he doesn't know what caused it and all the other stuff. He's able to apply what he knows in the moment to navigate uh, that that. Um, that train, well, train wreck, well, uh, the train wreck of speech here, uh, to navigate that, uh, that issue on the road and actually get to work where he's trying to go. That is actually a biblical picture of wisdom. And so we have this, um, we have in Proverbs uh, 3.13, it says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom. See, blessed is the one who go, can go beyond knowledge and understanding, and actually put it into use. And, and you know, Gabe, that's what you were talking about. You want your kids to be able to then take it in that rhetoric standpoint be able to use it for something, not just to teach other people, but to obviously start with using it in their own lives. Proverbs 4 or 5 commands us to get wisdom. And uh, so I, I basically sum it up like this. Wisdom is the ability to correctly apply knowledge and understanding. That's that's where we are. Now, for the uh, the unsaved person, for a person who's not a Christian, they can actually do this. They've been created to learn, and they too have been commanded to learn. Uh, they even by God's common grace have been empowered to learn. And uh, an unsaved child can go to school and they can know something and they can understand it. And then they can put it to use in their life. That happens all the time. Every single person, uh, every professional, everyone in aerospace, anybody who, who builds our cell phones, all that kind of stuff, they have successfully navigated the circle of learning well. And in fact, I'll point out too, before I, I share this next point, that Wisdom, the Bible tells us, naturally circles back into knowledge. A truly wise person, a person who's putting to use knowledge and understanding in their lives, they like being a student. They're like, yes, give me more knowledge that I can understand and I can put it. They see the blessings of using what they've learned and they're excited to learn more. Excuse me. So they're really um, pursuing that as a circle all the way around. But here's the key, and I'm going to share an image here uh, with your, uh, your your YouTube audience, and then I'll explain the image for those who are listening to this on um, on the podcast. This image right here is the circle of learning that I I put together, and you see there, knowledge leads to understanding, which leads into wisdom. But here's the key for the Christian: right here at the center of the circle of learning is the fear of the Lord. This is what takes the circle of learning out of a secular perspective and really makes it a true uh, Christian, a true God-focused um, uh, study. And that's, I think, what we really want for our kids, and we want that for ourselves. We don't want this just to be the learning uh, where somebody gains the whole world and loses their own soul. We want to be able to gain what God has for us, and by God's grace and his power, preserve our soul. And so with that said, um, what is the fear of the Lord? I think that's a big question that, that we need to share with our children and we need to understand too. Uh, what is the fear of the Lord? Well, the fear of the Lord is a, a two-pronged concept in our English language. We, we understand that fear, we oftentimes equate it with uh, being petrified, being scared of something. And to be honest, there is a legitimate, uh, I think, fear uh, that is part of 
uh, uh, knowing God for who he truly is. Uh, Jesus uh, told us, don't fear those who can kill the body, but cannot uh, kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That's a very real, a huge reality that we need to recognize. God is all powerful. He is completely sovereign and supreme. He can do his will uh, without having to consult anybody. So that is a massively important part. And I think that's where most people start in their relationship with the Lord, recognizing that if they don't truly uh, embrace him and accept his free gift of salvation, that there is a very tragic end for them for all eternity separated from him. But as we get into a relationship with God, that fear it more changes. And that fear becomes something else. And we talk about the idea of awe. We talk about the idea of just being in awe of God. And so what, what, what originally scared me now has me just, wow, he is so amazing. He is so good. He is so powerful. And that doesn't freak me out anymore. That is something that brings joy and peace to me. Still at the same time, I have to say, um, you know, there's a part of me that, that fears letting down my wife. You know, I don't, I love her. I don't want to do that. I don't want to fail her. I don't want to fail my kids. So I think there's a little bit of that in there too, when it comes to the fear of the Lord, uh, though I'm not afraid of eternal punishment. I, I do fear displeasing him, not because I'm afraid of him. I'm not afraid of displeasing my wife because I'm afraid of her. I'm afraid of displeasing my wife because I love her. So as our, our fear of him uh, being petrified of what he can do turns into an awe of him, it continues into a, a fear of displeasing him. And so when it comes to the circle of learning, uh, I need to approach my, my acquaintance with facts. I need to approach my understanding and I do need to approach the application of what I've learned. And so do our kids from the perspective of God, what does he want me to do? What does he want me to learn? How does he want me to understand it? And what are the ways he wants me to use it? How can I please him with what I've learned? And if that ends up being the, the core of our circle of learning, coming back to that fear of God, that love of him, then we are going to, we're going to learn the right things. We're going to learn them in the right ways. And then we're going to live them in ways that please the Lord. Hmm. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about it in my own life. Like I can use this circle of learning, right? Yeah. That's the whole point is um, it kind of stems from us. We, we learn how to do that. We learn how to fear the Lord and grow in knowledge, wisdom, and or knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And that'll trickle down to our kids and it'll help them to see how do I use this circle? Um, because I just feel like we are their best teacher. We are the best role model because they are going to do what we do, right? They're not going to really do what we say. They're going to watch what we do and they're going to mimic us. And that comes with that learning piece too, because if we're not willing to learn, why, why should we expect them to? And I don't know. Um, one thing I think about is those begrudged learners. So mm -hmm. I know I have my oldest, I just really don't like science. I just don't want to do science. I just don't like it, you know, and, and that thing. And it's like, how do you get those begrudged ones to see it differently, to see the aspect? Because one of the things I love too, especially when we do a classical learning, we take all the subjects and it's similar to that circle of learning. God is in the center and it's intertwining them all because they are not separate. They are, you can learn um, in math, you can learn about English and you can learn about science and it's all intertwined, but then it's also centered around God. So where is God in it? Um, and I wonder how do we 
get those begrudging learners to understand that or to kind of start walking in it and start enjoying it more? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think uh, my sister is a perfect example of this. So growing up, she will say that she kind of grew up in my shadow. She is my younger sister. And, you know, she's always like, well, Aaron always did so well in school. And I was the dumb one and whatever else. And she did. She struggled with dyslexia and things like that. She didn't like learning. She didn't actually read, learn to read well until she was about 12 years old. So it was a struggle for her. But there was also another element that was at play. And to be honest, you know, God created us to learn. He commands us to learn. He capacitates us to learn. Therefore, my hatred of that process, my not liking that process is really an act of rebellion against God. It's saying, I don't want to do what you created me to do. I don't want to do what you command me to do. And it's hard to look at it that way because, you know, we all grew up at some point hating the learning process, but to recognize it for what it is. Well, see, now my sister is a mother of five children. She homeschools all five of them. And a few days ago, I was at her house and she was sitting there. She was teaching her kids of all things. She was helping them work through math. And it was basic math, but still anyone who's ever gone through math or teaches math, we all understand how fun it is to learn fractions. <laughs> so I'm there in the house. I'm watching my sister teach her children fractions. And my eyes are starting to get warm. You know, I'm starting, I'm, I'm practically starting to tear up because here I have this girl who hated learning. She hated um excuse me, she hated math in particular. She said, I'm never good at math, but here she is and she's teaching her kids. Now, that, does that mean she loves math? It's her most favorite thing to teach math? No, but you know what she does? She loves her kids and she loves her God. And she recognizes that because she's chosen to homeschool, that it's, it's her responsibility to help her children be as successful as possible with their math. And so that has completely changed, not only how she has, uh, how she approaches it, but also her success in it. Because I guarantee you, she has better understanding of those fractions now than she ever did at any point in her schooling as she was growing up. So when it comes down to it, I think the key is not to sell your kid on science, right? I mean, we can sit there, we can try to tell him how helpful science will be in the future and how much fun it is and look at the experiments and whatever else, but really that's pragmatism. All right. And pragmatism doesn't work in parenting as, as an overall general principle. Pragmatic parenting is bad parenting. What we want to do is we want to point our kids to what really matters. And what really matters is, OK, I recognize the fact that science isn't your favorite, but who is your God? How much do you love him? How much do you want to please him and serve him? So if this great, awesome savior, creator, God of yours says to you, hey, buddy, it's time for you to learn science to the best of your ability. First Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, which includes learning science, do all to the glory of God. And I think that really is generally what, what starts to help, especially a professing um, believer, even if they're young. This isn't about the science, bud. This is about loving God by learning science. And it doesn't have to be your favorite. You don't have to be an aerospace engineer in the future, but you do have to have a good attitude. God commands us to be content. He commands us to be joyful. He commands us to be thankful for all things. He commands us to be at peace. And I can't really obey God in those areas, sitting here having a bad attitude about science. So I have found that that ends up being um, the biggest help for me working with born again believers. And it's not, it's not 
it, some people say, well, that sounds like manipulation. It's, it's, it's not. I mean, in marriage counseling, it's the same thing. It's like, dude, I understand that you don't like mowing the lawn, but come on for crying out loud. Do you love your wife? Do you rather your pregnant wife be out there mowing the lawn? I mean, seriously, at least do it for her. Right. Uh, and more importantly, you know, do it as an act of love. I love your wife because God commands you to. So that's really the, the main motivation. We should do what we're doing. So obviously the question comes up, what would you do when our children aren't born again? You know, yeah, every child is or like yeah. if just struggling with their faith. Maybe they are born again, but they're kind of struggling and going yeah, yeah. their own or, you know, mm-hmm. that, that isn't going that answer isn't going to help them. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, I worked with a lot of kids at Victory Academy, high schoolers, right, who were, you know, the prof- professing atheists. So like, they're like, I don't care, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, it ends up being the same answer. See, we slip into pragmatic parenting so often, um, because it seems to be a good motivator. You know, if you're unkind to them, they're not going to want to be your friend, and you won't have anyone to play with. But what that does is it just creates a better self-worshipper. It, it creates a better idolater, right? I live my, I was unkind because I wanted to be unkind. Well, now I'm being kind because I want to be kind because of this thing that I hope I'm going to get. If I'm nice to you, you're going to be nice to me, right? Um, that's, that's idolatry. That's doing good things for the wrong reasons. Um, and so regardless of uh, my child's relationship with the Lord, I still need to approach it from the most important aspect. This really is about God, but this is where it changes. With my born again child, that is a, that's a process of discipleship. I'm helping them to grow in their relationship with God and hopefully flourish in their study of science as well. Um, but the, mostly it's, it's the relationship with the Lord, that discipleship process. Well, for my unsaved child or student, now it's a question of evangelism. It's a perfect opportunity to share the gospel. Hey man, listen. You have a D in science right now. I'd like to help you do, do better. Um, but really, in order to truly help you do better, to help you to reach your potential, you need tools that you just don't have access to right now. And then we can start talking about how there is a God who created you to do this well. He commands you to do this well, and he also wants to empower you to do this well. And then that can lead into, well, who is this God? What has he done for us? Uh, what did Jesus Christ do for us on the cross? And really, it ends up being an evangelistic tool. So in the end, my kid might still hate science. Okay. But instead of wasting my time, I say that with air quotes, you know, instead of wasting my time um, focusing all of this on trying to get my unsaved kid to like science and to do better at science, I, I think I'm redeeming that time a little bit better because I'm taking and remind him of the gospel. And what's going to happen is this children actually remember things better than we think they do. So this child, you know, I I don't want to do school. Okay. And I've explained all this to them. I've unpacked the gospel and how great it is. And the extra icing on the cake that the, you know, that having a relationship with the Lord empowers us to even do well in school, so on and so forth. Eventually, if that's, if that's kind of the tone I take every single time my child complains about science, they're going to stop complaining about science because they're going to know like right before they comes out of their mouths, like right before they roll their eyes when it's time to do science, they're going to stop and they're like, oh, I know exactly what mom's going to say. Mom's going to start talking to me about God and about how much he loves me and what he did for me on the cross. And now he's preaching to himself, right? Now, now he's sitting there, he's rehearsing the gospel to himself. And so now this child who I know needs God, this child that I love desperately, want to have a relationship with God, um, I'm now, I'm, they've now given me an opportunity 
through their hatred for science to help them better know God and Lord, and Lord willing, one day um, choose to submit to him as their savior. Mm, that is so good. Man, I just learned a lot right there because <laughs> I'm in kind of in the process of struggling. Like, where do I go? How do I, how do I make them really enjoy it and see the reasons for learning and all this? So I just learned, I don't know. I'm sure my listeners got a ton from that too. Um, I had one more thought, but I can't remember it at the moment. Um, I know, oh, I know what it was. So for those of us parents who haven't incorporated this into our children's learning yet, and, um, you know, maybe they're even, when they're young, they're easy to start, right? It's easier to start it when they're young. Um, they've already kind of created habits and are in their own ways when they get older. So what are what would be like one or two first steps for us to implement this into our lives with our kids? That's a great question. I do want to say that because what you were what you said right before that question, um, I am not saying that we don't try to make learning fun. Okay, I'm not saying that we don't yeah. try to make science fun. Of course, I, you know, as an educator, I do try to do that. That's definitely a, a cool part of education. We don't want to be just sticks in the mud. Um, but when it comes to saying, okay, so I, I haven't really done this. I haven't I haven't redeemed my children's education. Maybe my kids go off to school, right? And they just come home and I'm not there for them in science class, right? I'm just trying to equip them with truths that hopefully they can take with them into science and, and do better. Like when they're out of my sight, what am I, what am I doing here? How do I do this? Uh, there's this thing called preemptive parenting. And a lot of times we're firefighter parents. Uh, all of a sudden, boom, there's a fire, there's an explosion in front of us. And now we're dealing with it. Um, but that fire started because there was uh, a lit match tossed into uh, a thing of gasoline. Well, why was that? Where'd that match come from? Why was it lit? Uh, these are questions sometimes that if we just trace it back, we recognize had we been a little bit more preemptive, had we dealt with this issue over here, it actually wouldn't have become a fire. And so one of the things I encourage parents to do, especially when they're starting out fresh, okay? All right, I'm, here I am equipped. I'm going to teach my kids and God creating them to learn all that kind of stuff. I'm going to share with them the circle of learning, but I don't do it until they're melting down over math, okay? That is not the best time to be teaching my child a new concept, all right? We already have enough issues at that point. The idea is to lay, you know, what we call touchstones. Something, uh, lay this foundation at a time when we're not melting down over math. That later on, uh, we, can, we can touch back to, we can say, hey, remember that conversation we had about the circle of learning? Remember all of that? And that applies to this moment right here too. So what I encourage people to do is really uh, to, to lay out a truth at a time when it's a low impact time. They're not doing their lessons. Just say, hey, guess what? I was listening to this podcast and I learned something really cool. Talk about it from how it affected you first. I learned that I need to be this kind of student. I learned that God created me to learn and commands me to learn. Oh, I'm so excited. I, I'm like looking at the world differently. And you know what? That's true for you too. So they're saying, they go, okay, my parents have learned this thing they're sharing with me. They, they may or may not really care that much at the time, but the idea is to get them onboarded, to get them to make a decision. And I, I, I oftentimes say that the point of nearly every conversation is to bring our children to a place where we've exposed them, we've, we've told them the truth in love, and now we ask them, do you believe this? Do you believe this? So do you believe that God created you to learn? Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Do you believe that he commands you to learn? Oh, I definitely believe that. Do you believe that he's going to give you the power to learn everything you need to learn? Yeah, I totally believe that. Now, fast forward, melting down in math. You remember when we had that conversation? 
conversation when mom's done listening to that podcast and I share with you about the circle. Yeah, remember that. What did we talk about? What has God done for you? And so now they've, before they already agreed, I believe that God commands me to learn and he gives me the power to learn so that now those excuses, well, I can't do this. This is too hard. I, you know, all of that gets tossed out the window because they've already admitted it's not true. So now we're not trying to convince them of something so much as we're trying to just simply remind them of what they've already, already known, already accepted. So I would say that would probably be the first step. Number one, um, learn it for yourself. Truly understand the impact of what God expects from us, his children, when it comes to interacting with his word, uh, learning on the job, uh, whatever it may be, what God expects from us. Then if we're passionate about it and we're pursuing because we can't lead our children in a direction we're not going, right? Then as we're starting to go in that direction, we're inviting them to walk along with us. And we're, in, we're making that invitation to walk along with us just a normal part during the day, talking during a meal, uh, stopping in the middle of, of games, whatever the case may be. Um, and so that way, later on, when we start to hit a roadblock, we get into a difficult time, and now we want to start applying what we're learning to a real-life difficult situation. Now we're not exposing to them a bunch of brand new information, overloading them with even more stuff that they have to do. Mm. Yeah, that was good. I think just taking it first steps in um, helping them to see how it affected me or how it affected us. Like, cause it's, we are always learning. So, uh, you know, if we want to change a direction we're going, or if we want to change something, uh, one of the best ways is to say, this is what I just learned. This is so cool. So that was, that was a really great way to break that down for us. Thank you so much. Um, so kind of a summary of why we should help our kids to learn, um, from your three C's is God created us to learn. Um, God commands us to learn. It's a command. It's not just a, hey, it's a good thing for you. It's a command. And God capacitates us to learn. So he gives us the power. He empowers us to do so with the tools and resources he has for us. And I Amen. think that's, that's just a great, great way to sum this up. I could keep talking to you about this all day long because learning is such a passion of mine as well. And all I, all, my biggest prayer for my kids is that I've done what I need to do when they step out the door. And my biggest thing mm. is I want them to know God, right? And then to be able Amen. to take that and do something with it so they can make others know him. And mm. um, I think that's the biggest thing in creating these. I have three boys, so I'm, we're raising men and I want mm. to raise solid men, men who love Amen. the Lord, men who are respectable, men who take responsibility. And it's, it is it is parenting is tough, like we talked about. And I think this is a great way for us to kind of see it in just a circle. And I'll, I will also put the picture in the show notes. So um, feel free to take that and look at it, post it somewhere so you have it. Um, because I think for me, visual, I'm a visual person. When I see it in front of me, it reminds me, oh yeah, yeah, that's what we're trying to do when we're, we're trying to get our kids to learn or when we're trying to learn. Our goal is a fear of the Lord. Our goal is to know him better and to help others know him better as well. So um, I know that uh, my listeners are going to want to connect with you as well. And I know I've been listening to some of your podcasts as well, loving the topics you talk about. And it's definitely geared toward that parenting in truth and love. Uh, so can you just share a little bit about where they can find you? Yeah, uh, it's really simple. Everything can be found at truth, love, parent dot com. Uh, everything that we do uh, is, is is located there. We actually have another podcast called the Celebration of God. We have a counseling ministry. 
We have a lot of things, but it's all uh, our social media. Everything can be found at truthloveparent.com. But I have something special uh, for your audience in particular. Um, if you go, if you type in truthloveparent.com forward slash red hot, one word, that will take you to a page that you can't access any other way. It's a super secret page just for you guys. And I know the things that we're talking about today are are, are big ideas, okay? Uh, there's so much more that we could discuss, so much more, so many more passages we could look at. Uh, and so what I've done is I've accumulated some of the resources that I've created on these topics, and I've put them on that page, truthloveparent.com forward slash red hot. Uh, they can go there and they can access this if they want to continue their study in this discussion about teaching our children to learn. And then I have some other things linked there for them. Uh, what you said about putting stuff up the two, uh, visual reminders is so important. That's actually a biblical thing. God always had his people setting up these, these memorials, these, phys these physical representations of spiritual truths to, for them to be reminded. This thing back here is called the communication house. It's one of the things I created to help our family uh, communicate in Christ-honoring ways. So I'll have that image there, all the, the circle of learning there, so that your, uh, your audience can access that, and hopefully that can be a big blessing to them. Oh, I love that. And I know if you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have, Erin is coming back. We're going to talk some more about parenting, but we're going to talk about why our kids do what they do um, and, and helping them learn how to change. And so this was kind of the first stepping stone, how teach them how to learn and teach ourselves how to learn. Um, but now we get to help our kids to change. And I think that's a really great topic. Don't miss it. It'll be coming up uh, soon here. And I look forward to having you back, Erin. So thank you so much for joining us on Red Hot Mindset. It's my pleasure and I'm looking forward to it too. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. This will make sure you have access to all future episodes so you don't miss any of them. If you resonated with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify as reviews are an important part of growing this podcast. If you have any friends or family who you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to take a screenshot and share it with them. And if you're not a part of the free Mindful Mamas online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you develop your gifting, live intentionally, and go after your biggest goals, God's way. Head on over to www.redhotmindset.com to check out the show notes and find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. That's all for now. Talk with you real soon. Bye winner.